Welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in to What is Wellness. I am your host, Kristen O'Connor. I've been a private chef for the past 10 years, focusing heavily on wellness and helping actors and athletes achieve very specific body and health goals. Now I really set out on this quest to excavate what actually is wellness, listening to as many expected and unexpected members of this very diverse community of experts. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave comments. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Lila Wise. She is a holistic health coach that started practicing in 2018, and she tries to help clients thrive and heal from a holistic perspective, taking into account every aspect of their life, work, food, sleep, stress, etc., She also became a certified autoimmune paleo coach. She really believes in nutrient density and quality whole foods. She focuses a lot on animal-based diet, and she also follows that herself, as does her family. This is such an exciting opportunity to chat with her and hear what most people consider a totally different perspective on wellness and approach to food. Lila, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you for having me. We met, obviously, at our writer's retreat, and I learned that you are writing this incredible piece about food and then got to hear a bit about your backstory and how you've kind of arrived at this place in life. So can you share with all of us that journey into your holistic wellness space that you're in now? Yeah. Um, So I'm in many ways, I'm kind of the typical American female. Like I it was always concerned with my weight growing up. I, I grew up in the eighties and nineties. It was all low fat, everything processed foods. You know, my mom was like a really healthy cook, but there's a lot of junk and a lot of sugar. And so fast forward to my twenties and I've gained weight. I go on weight watchers, you know, dieting kind of becomes a pastime. Always been an athlete. I've always been active. I I've always cared about my health but weight was a struggle. Like it was always like in in a sort of a disordered relationship to my body and to food and food became very important for me. It was like a real fun pastime. It was like cooking dinner was the thing. You know, I watched food network all the time. I read all the food magazines. I was a foodie. We lived in New York city. So, you know, we'd go to these crazy restaurants and it was like, that was a real source of joy and, and fun in my life. But I always struggled and always felt bad about my weight and my body. And, um, that was kind of the background to becoming healthier when I had three kids and, you know, I gained this, a lot of weight with each pregnancy, each time I had to lose the you know 50 pounds that I gained, which, you know, I had my first baby at 31 and I had my third baby at 38. So there was like, it was a different thing, you know, and it just was a real struggle. And I, did various things. Like one was calorie restriction and basic starvation, um, which is really unhealthy. And then, you know, I did paleo and I kind of went through like what's working. So, so I would say that like around when my son was born six years ago, but I I had a trainer and I was like pretty fit and, but still sort of heavy, like didn't feel good. Didn't feel like I'd really cracked the code of like what worked for my body. And um, I, our middle son was diagnosed with celiac disease um, when he was four. And that really kind of threw us for a loop. And, and we were really surprised by that. I sort of looked into it and I started getting down the rabbit hole of gluten-free, which of course is super trendy, but we still ate lots of processed gluten-free stuff, you know, and right. I didn't really, I didn't really understand the way you have to heal a gut 
right? And gut health was like maybe just coming into sort of mainstream. Yeah, it's really been um, new in conversation in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, I, I just love nutrition and I started reading about it and it was like kind of my fascination. So I decided to go become a health coach. Um, even though I have to say, I felt, you know, like I didn't really have an authority to become a health coach because I wasn't like this skinny blonde in her little kitchen, like doing this, you know, and it, it was like that image. And, and I, but I was like, I really love this. I really, maybe I can help people. Maybe I can find a way to like really understand what people need. And, and at that um, time, what were, what was your diet? Not to say you were dieting, but what was your diet? Yeah. So it was really plant-based. It was like okay. everything I was told and read about, especially for women is more plants, eat the rainbow, less red meat. You know, the dietary guidelines have said for decades, you know, reduce red meat, saturated fat is bad. Grains are good. Eat six to 11 servings of grains a day. So I was eating a lot of food. I was, and I loved it. I I was like plant-based is, you know, the way, and Michael Pollan was saying, you know, eat food, mostly plants, not too yep. much. Right. So yep. I was filling my plate with all these greens. I was having green juices, kale smoothies and acai bowls. And so, so then when I became a coach and, and I have to say that my, the program that I did was kind of skewed, really plant-based. Like they kind of, like, I remember there was one, a lot of them are, yeah, there was yeah. one section on Atkins and it was sort of like inviting like the cousin that nobody wants to the birthday party. And like, you know, it's like, they were like, we we're obligated to cover this because it exists in the world, but we do not yeah. believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was funny because I remember watching this Atkins and like, like diving into the Atkins thing and being like, actually the data here is like pretty compelling. <laughs> wow. But you know, it would just wasn't the vibe that I thought. So I, I went full vegan for about a year and a half and was doing, and I was, you know, spending tons of money. I was like trying to do it really well. I was stocking my fridge with greens and grains and nuts and seeds and all the things I was having, like hemp seeds on everything. And I, I mean, if I couldn't do it right, I don't know who can, because I was spending so much time and money trying to like really nail it. And people really loved it. Like when I would post stuff on Instagram, I was like, Oh my God, you're so healthy. And I felt really, um, validated. Yeah. Like really validated in that. And I would make all these pretty bowls of like squashes and grains and brown rice and and so long story short, um, well, this is already a long story, but I, my health fell apart. I started feeling like hot garbage and I had migraines and joint pains. I was like lying in bed at night and my whole body hurt. Oh. I went to the dentist. I had like four or five cavities, which I'd never had a cavity in my life. And I was like, what? But I was really down the rabbit hole. So I was reading all the vegan books and I was, tr- and I think I was really ultimately doing it because I, I thought I could lose weight. And I thought it was like the magic key to eating whatever I wanted, basically like eating to satiety and eat and not having to restrict myself. Like if I right. only ate plants, then I, then it's doing the work for you. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, and, I totally understand that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was really appealing. And, and also the vegan community is like, it's all about, you know, you're a good person and you're saving the world and you're saving the animals and like, who doesn't want to be a good person. Right. And so parallel to this, my husband was having horrible digestive issues, horrible. And it was going to the emergency room and he's always had like weird health issues and digestive stuff. And he 
there were all these weird episodes where he was like vomiting and diarrhea so bad that he would have oh. to go to the emergency room. It was like really scary. Nobody could figure out what was going on. Doctors were no help. They were like, maybe you have a virus. <laughs> we're like, no. And it was, it was really bizarre. Yeah. It's scary. And, he, and like, at what, yeah, it was scary and like unnerving. We were like, what is this? And of course, some people were like, oh, he should go plant-based, right? So then he was like, okay, you know, and so he went plant-based and that made everything exponentially worse. Right. So he, so then he had this sort of random friend of his that was like, no, 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 just eat meat, just eat meat. Don't give up the plants. And he was like, fine, whatever. Totally desperate, totally desperate to like, yeah, I get do that. Whatever was, yeah. 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 So he did. And, and thankfully we, he was already like going to this butcher in New York that was really nice and grass fed and like really high quality meat. So like we had this sort of nice thing where he would just, he was just like, okay, you know, I'm just going to eat like ribeyes and and uh, even like raw, like he went really hardcore and he went like raw wow. um, for a while, like very lightly cooked meat, um, and was no it, spices. It, was it like specifically red meat or did he eat yeah. chicken and fish and it was really heavily? It was heavily red meat for, for a couple of months. It was like, it was intense. And I was sitting there vegan going like, I don't, you know, we were like sitting across the table from each other and he's eating all meat and I'm eating what all the plants. Kids, what were the kids eating? They were eating a mix. Yeah, they're um, yeah, they're right. They were eating a mix and they were really confused. They were like, What why are you, you know? And I said something like, you know, daddy eats what's right for him and I eat what's right for me. And yeah. you know, which is true, you know, that, yeah, that is true in life, right? Yeah. And so, um, but it was awkward. It was like it was really weird in our <laughs> marriage, and it was it was strange. Um so then I started noticing that he got a lot better and he wasn't dying and he wasn't getting heart disease and he wasn't his cholesterol. He got all his labs done and they were like, it was like his cholesterol went down. His triglycerides went down. Everything was like way better. Yeah. Improvement. And the most significant thing is that his mental health was markedly different. He really struggled with anxiety and depression and that was gone. Like it was, it was like, someone turned the lights on or something. And I was really stunned by that. And really, and he kept saying, like, I feel really, really good. I feel so good on this. And I love this meat and I'm so excited to eat it all the time. And I was like, what, this is crazy, you know? And I really had to go back to the drawing board because it it was like going against everything I knew. So I eventually dove into the autoimmune world because I ended up getting certified in autoimmune paleo because I started connecting the dots to my health, my family, my dad, my grandmother, everybody has autoimmune stuff in my family. And I just never thought about that. So I dove into the science and I was like, oh my God, meat's the most nutrient dense food on the planet, you know, meat and animal foods and fish. And, you know, it's like, we aren't really told that we're told that these are, you know, bad for you basically. And you should limit them. And I was really angry when I found that out. Like I I felt duped and I felt like, you know, why are we told that these foods are something that should be limited, especially as women and girls, you know, you sort of have, there's like the cultural myth of like the the hungry man breakfast, right. Which is like steak and eggs or whatever. And it's like, Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. You go to a restaurant and the waiter brings the steak to the man at the table. Just like, you know, it's hundred percent to this day, which is yeah. Yeah, yeah, that has not in. evolved. That has not evolved. No. no. So then I, I basically ended up going full carnivore uh, with my husband, <laughs> sort of as an experiment, because he was like, just do it, just do it, you know. So what, what is that? What does that look like? So when you say 
going full carnivore, what, what is your day look like in terms of what you eat? From yes. start to finish? So full carnivore and there's different like iterations of it. And basically you just eat animal foods. You eat eggs, beef, any ruminant animal, like ruminant animal meat is really lamb, beef, bison, really, really hearty and dense and nutrient dense and, and satisfying Mm-hmm. chicken, you know, obviously you want like the best quality chicken. You want like really good, like pastured chicken. Um, if you can right. get it fish, seafood, you know, anything that comes from an animal. So, so for, and, what do you have for breakfast each day? Well, sometimes or I don't on, have breakfast. Okay. Um, like I tend to not be hungry in the morning. So, but, but my first meal, and this is like a whole other thing because it sort of started to break down my whole con- concept of eating that I needed breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And breakfast was sort of oatmeal or something sort of fruit or sweet or, or something, something like that. Sweet, right. And now it started to be savory. So I would just have steak. I would just have a ribeye and maybe some eggs, maybe some bacon and eggs and a ribeye. And when you start carnivore, the big thing is that you, you don't limit this is, you have to really get out of the diet mentality because it's really about fueling and uh, healing your body. And so, especially for women that have a history of dieting and restriction and like maybe some binge eating tendencies or some like really disordered food stuff, carnivore was the most healing thing I've ever done. I think everybody should do it because I think it's ultimately an elimination diet. That's kind of a reset for your body. It's like, it, you know, you, you basically get off the sugar burning metabolism into a fat burning metabolism. And then you have after several months, and it really depends on the person and and their, their level of healing and sickness versus like, if they're an athlete and they're metabolically healthy already, they can kind of go in and out of sugar burning and fat burning. And that's like ideal, right? That's what you want. A person who has autoimmune issues, who's very metabolically sick, they're diabetic, they're pre-diabetic, they're really struggling, um, have a ton of weight to lose. Like they might need to be really strict carnivore to really reset. It can take weeks and months. There's people that have been doing this for 20 years. who literally eat like nothing but meat and eggs maybe, and they're thriving. And not only are they thriving, they're like in perfect health. And so this idea that was, it was really jarring for me because the idea that actually we don't even need carbohydrates as humans to function, we need fat and protein in our diet. That's what I was going to ask you too, because, you know, I've done a lot of cooking. I don't have, you know, Mm -hmm. the same background as you, I've come from a much more culinary place, Um, but I've had to do a lot of work with my clients in terms of helping them lose weight or build muscle mass. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's guided by somebody else, a doctor saying to me, okay, well, you have to have your client you know, eat with this proportion of protein, fat, carbohydrate. And I did that for somebody to bulk up, like put 30 pounds of muscle on in three months. And we had, I had to be super strict with that proportion and what was explained. And like, what I understood to be true at the time is that your body in order to be an athlete, which is really what he had to do to, to put on that much muscle, the energy that's consumed by your body is in the form of glycogen and glucose. Right. And so the glucose obviously like, and there's the whole carbohydrate before you exercise, like it complex mm-hmm. carb two to three hours for energy boosting and to reduce muscle damage, improve recovery, all that stuff. So talk to me about that and like how that's addressed in terms of really eliminating carbohydrates altogether and how that 
impacts your body as an athlete or as someone who exercises a lot or mm-hmm. you know just goes about their day. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think that for muscle gain, you know, what you really need to focus on is protein. And the average, you know, we're sort of told these like protein numbers, it's like pathetic. It's like really low proteins. And 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 we have to always remember that the RDAs are usually the minimum required, right? That's not like for thriving. That's like, so you don't die (laughs) or like, you know, you're not like starving. Passing out, Um, right? Yeah. And so something, I think the the recommended amount for protein is like 60 grams. It's really not a lot. And what they're finding, especially for athletes is that you need at least a gram per pound of body weight. So if you're 150 pounds, you should be eating 150 grams of protein a day. Wow. And then even more, if you're a big athlete, if you're really athletic or you're like putting on, you're trying to bulk up, like you, you, there's really not a top level of protein. And this myth that like our kidneys are going to go if we eat too much protein is bull, is bull. That's really only true if you have like kidney disease. Um, and you know, you want high quality protein. That's really important. You don't want to do like protein bars and all that junk. You want to do like really good, you know, meat, fish, eggs, maybe whey protein. And then the carbs and the fat, you can titrate them based on your level of, of exercise. And, you know, like for women, I think it's important for where we are in our cycles. I think that um, totally. it's easier and better for our bodies to go kind of low carb early in our cycle, the first two weeks. And then post ovulation, it's better to sort of incorporate some carbs or carb cycle so that you can sort of replenish that glycogen. And obviously if you're an athlete, carbs do help build muscle, right? So there's a lot of research now about timing your carbs. Like some people do a refeed of carbs at night, um, just in their evening meal before they go to bed and it helps them sleep. And it also just replenishes that glycogen. So then in the morning they're ready to go, but generally if you're metabolically healthy and you're fasting overnight, you're going to be in ketosis in the morning, in some level of ketosis right. in the morning. And right. that's kind of what we want. We want to be metabolically flexible. We want to be able to, to be in ketosis and not be glucose driven all the time so that you're riding these big spikes of glucose all day and crashing. And I really relate to that. Like I was that person who would freak out if she didn't know when her next meal was coming. I would lose my mind. I It was like, not okay. <laughs> yeah. And, um, because, because, then, of a, because of the relationship with food or more because of the blood sugar issue? I think both. I think right. both. I think food right. was kind of an organizing principle for me, but I really think it was driven biologically by the sugar addiction. Right. And, and if you've ever tried to give up sugar, you know that it is so hard and it is so uncomfortable when you really ditch sugar in your diet. It is, it's, you go through withdrawal, you feel like garbage. And then on the other side of it, you really stop the craving. You really stop wanting it. Did I answer your question about the macro? Yeah, no, you did. You did for sure. There are so many thoughts around so many different and varied thoughts around diet, what to do with food, you know, how we end up at not just like longevity, but living the best fullest life that we can right now anti-aging, everything comes into play with diet. And there's so many different directions with someone like me who doesn't have your background. And I have cooked for people and I've seen just from experience, what happens to different people's bodies when I take certain things away or limit that. 
And then, and then when I put them back and things like that. So I've seen it just play out like that, but I've always, let me know what you think. This is like kind of just, well, experience from, I wrote the cookbooks for the blood type diet and Mm -hmm. they talk about Mm -hmm. like typos really should be eating the way you're talking about. Yeah. Um, And I'm a typo. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Um, the whole premise with that is that it has to do with, well, a a lot of factors, but I'm not a scientist. So the way I describe it is has a lot to do with acidity in your gut and typos have such high acidity. They actually need that meat and animal protein to put that to use so that you don't get, because typos are highly susceptible to digestive issues and stomach cancers and things like that. And it's like really necessary for their body and type A's tend to have less acidity and it's harder for them to break down meats. All of that said, what I have found is that people are so individual based on so many different factors, whether it's like their activity level, what they do for a living, what they're exposed to in terms of toxins and what what their diet has been like their whole life. Some people get frustrated with me because they want to lose weight and it's not happening right away when we start to make changes. And I say to them, you've had 42 years of putting crap in your body. Right. It's not going to change in four days, you know? No. And yeah. And I also think diet is not the whole answer. You know, diet is one piece of our health and it's, it's huge piece because it can really determine on a cellular level, how we're functioning. Right. And like our mitochondria are how they're firing and how, you know, that, that is, that's huge, but it's also about sleep and stress and sunlight and getting sunlight. And I think that our modern lives are so toxic in terms of, you know, we get up, we caffeinate, probably over caffeinate. Look at we're our on our screens. Yeah. We look at our phones immediately. We're, you know, not getting sunshine. We're not getting our vitamin D from the sun. Um, and we're either starving ourselves like by dieting or we're overeating or some combination of the two. And then we're stressed out and, and we're not sleeping well. And so it's like, it's like all these things. And so when I coach, it's really that holistic lens, but I, I will say that the, the diet piece for me was the, it was like the domino that started the whole thing. Because once I was fueling myself appropriately, which meant that my body was finally going like, oh, oh, it's okay to eat. Okay, great. We're going to eat and we're going to, and my appetite was like crazy for a while. And I was losing weight because my body was just like, oh, we can really, we can let go. We don't have to hold on to the fat. You're not on an Arctic tundra starving yourself, you know, eating like berries and twigs. It's like a feast and famine, you know? And I think that we evolved to feast and famine. So these natural cycles of following your appetite of some days I'm really hungry and I eat a a massive amount of food. And some days I'm really not that hungry or I, you know, I'm just not into it's like, okay, whatever. And, and I think that's really hard to lean into, especially as women in Mm -hmm. our society. And it's been generation on generation of pressure to look a certain way. And I feel like it puts this psychological force on you that you really lose all perspective. And one of the biggest things I try to talk to people about is that mind body connection that we're, Mm -hmm. you just said it, I've had my own past with eating disorders and stuff. And you have to kind of like give yourself permission to eat and listen to your body because there is so much fear around food. Totally. Is this muffin that I eat going to make me gain five pounds after I've blah, blah, blah. And it's a constant calculation of what you're doing. And 
you know, that's kind of the biggest piece of this that I think is super important is that what you found is a way to really tune into what you need and what your body needs and how to make you healthy. Because ultimately that is giving you the most energy and your husband completely changed in terms of anxiety and all of that. And yeah, you know, it gives you freedom in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's like food freedom. And, um, I mean, I, my mental health improved so much when I started eating real carnivore, I was like, Oh my God, I was depressed before. And I had no idea. I was kind of living in this brain baseline, fog, right. Baseline brain fog thinking that's just normal. And I think we really don't realize how good our bodies can feel when we're fueling it and nourishing it appropriately. And I think that switching from focusing on what's the least amount of food I can eat so that I can survive (laughs) and look good to what's the most nutrient dense foods I can eat. Because the truth is when you're eating nutrient dense foods, you don't need to eat as much. Yeah. You won't eat as much. You don't need the whole ribeye or, you know, whatever, like you're just eating so much good food that your body goes, okay, we're good. That my whole relationship to satiety and what that really is and what hunger actually is changed. So, and I think that there's like scientific stuff that I'm not, I wouldn't really be able to talk about, about the hormones, leptin and ghrelin that regulate our appetites and our hunger and fullness. Right. And, and for obese people, they know that their leptin signals are totally messed up. They, they don't get full. Right. And so it's kind of like obesity can be thought of as a malnourishment. It looks like people are eating tons and tons of food and they, and many cases they are, but in many cases they're not. And their bodies are just really starving. And the way it's doing that is by holding on to this, holding on to something. Yeah. Yeah. There's something so out of whack and hormonally, you know, and I think that the feeling of being able to eat and, um, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but like, I always had this feeling in my body when I ate that I was afraid of my hunger. I was afraid to really satisfy myself. And I always wanted more. And it felt like I was always like waiting to the next meal to manage that hunger or that craving or whatever it was. And it was really, I think about like, being good and, and being healthy and eating the right things and eating what I'm told totally. and, and how, and how all, you look and how you're going to be yes. accepted. And yeah, yes. no, I mean, I, I kind of had, I had that, but my, my brain went into the opposite direction. So I felt fear about feeling full. I did not want to ever feel full because oh, feeling full was bad in my mind. Like it was like too much. And I could like completely separate from like my next meal, which is ironic because all I do is cook for people and help people be healthy. But that was my personal battle. And, but I think we all kind of like digest this, digest this information, (laughs) no pun intended, but there it is. Um, We all digest this information in totally different ways, but it's really the same thing of worth equals thinness and beauty. And there's a specific idea of that. And that really messes up your mind and your expectations for yourself, even which sets a bad tone. But I guess like, you know, what I'm curious about is, well, a lot of things, but first of all, when you have clients, do, do you recommend this diet for most people? It depends. I, I can't work with vegetarians or vegans (laughs) Um, because I really think that they're nutritionally inadequate and I don't, I wouldn't ethically actually feel good working with a client the same way I wouldn't work with somebody with like an active eating disorder. Like that's way out of my purview. 
I can't right. do that. And I think that recovering vegans or somebody that's coming out of vegetarianism, totally, I would love to work with that person. It really depends on the person and it depends on where they are because I'm not going to prescribe the same diet or way of eating or, or anything for my clients are all individual. That's what they're paying me for. That's what they need is individual attention is somebody to look at their life. And usually to be honest, it's never really about the food. It's about something else. It's about how they're thinking about themselves. It's about what they're allowing for themselves. It's about their, like, they think it's about their food, but really they hate their husband or whatever, you know? And it's like, okay, that's, that's the elephant like, in here, you know? There's a bigger issue happening here. <laughs> yes. And I think that what I'm really good at is helping people tease out, you know, yeah, if you're eating like garbage, you're really not doing yourself any favors, but let's look at why you're eating garbage. Let's look at our, what you're giving yourself. Cause, cause honestly, I think that we have so much more power than we think we do to nourish ourselves both with food and also our thoughts and our own mental toughness. Like, I think we just don't tap into that. We, we sort of play victim and we take we take what we're given or we take what we're told. And it's been incredibly empowering for me as a person to take, to, to sort of say, no, I'm not going to listen to the Washington post about, you know, what I need to be eating or whatever, whatever it is. Right. Um, right. I'm going to really yeah. figure out what, what feels good to me. And that's always going to change. And that's always like, I'm doing this meat based thing now and this animal based, you know, that's really like the bulk of my diet is animal foods. And then I add in like the least toxic plants. So squashes, berries, mushrooms, avocados, olives, those are all pretty non-toxic plants. Kales, well, the greens, grains, like all that stuff. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. What, what, what do you consider toxic and why? What is, what's um, an example? I think grains are pretty toxic in general. I think nuts and seeds and grains, I think have a lot, they have a lot of anti-nutrients. So they bind to a lot of the minerals in your body that then you can't absorb them unless you're really conscious about soaking and sprouting and fermenting your grains. I think the average person is just better not eating them because they're all so highly processed and they're all sprayed with glyphosate. Now it's not like a hundred years ago when it was like a sourdough with wheat, organic wheat that the grains now, and, the, and it's just so highly processed. And I think that, that anybody that has autoimmune issues should certainly ditch grains. You know, they really, they actually like rip apart your gut lining, mm. right. Which is how you get autoimmune disease part, part of the reason. And plants don't want to be eaten. It's part of their defense system. So they have chemicals that are released that keep them that, that like most of the plants in the world, we can't eat, right. We can only eat a very, very, very small percentage of the plants in the world. And so we eat the animals that eat the plants because they can eat the plants and they get the phytochemicals and the sunshine from the grass that they eat. And then we eat the protein that's bioavailable. It's, it's like the best, you know, it, it has heme iron. It has all the vitamins, minerals, B12, zinc, choline, taurine, carnosine, like all these things that we need for our brains. And that's how we get that stuff. We don't eat the grass. We don't eat the, we can eat some of it. And, um, and I do, but you can't really go wrong with a nutrient dense animal-based diet and then adding in the things that feel good for you. So when I work with a client, oftentimes we'll go kind of strict for a period of time and then add in these foods to see how they 
react, which is really what you do when like I'm on an autoimmune protocol. I just find carnivore is way easier because otherwise you're like cutting out like this week, we're cutting out pepper and this week we're, you know, and it's like, Oh, it can take forever to get through that. It takes forever. No. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. And, and I think that the difference also is that, you know, carnivore is not necessarily a weight loss diet. It's a healing diet. It's a way to reset your gut. It's a way to like reset your metabolism. Well, should not necessarily be thought of like, oh, I'm going to get so skinny if I just eat ribeye. No, you can gain weight on a carnivore diet for sure. You might need to gain weight. There might be a period. But I was going to say, I think that's part of the issue that we have in general with our relationship to food. I tell this to people too, when I work with them that ultimately, yes, I know, I hear you that you want to lose weight, but the real goal here has to be feeling healthy. good, being healthy, yeah. Yeah. being healthy yeah. at wherever your body lands is the goal because food is nourishing us. It's not meant to be this like thing that supplies us when we're bored or this thing that we like munch and, and we're kind of trained as kids even get trained so quickly to use food as a reward and really disturbing. (laughs) And it's usually like bad food, right? It's like bad food is your reward. So started yeah. eating disorder with a yeah, disorder and, and food is like fun and food is the reward. And yeah. we tell, we give kids cookies. Like I just had, a, we just got in the thing with our kids school. Cause they give cookies out three days a week as snack. And we're like, what are you doing? You know, like a, yeah. they're going on a sugar bender. And like the teachers probably hate that. Like it's just ridiculous, but, but our, we are so food reward sort of focused in our culture. And yeah. so to take that out, where you don't have those cravings, right? You're not driven by, oh, okay, I need dessert after every meal, or I need something sweet, or I don't feel like I've had a real nourishing not, right, meal. Right, like you don't feel satiated unless you have X, Y, and Exactly. Yeah. And that I would argue, and I really believe is the way, is the way that we are supposed to eat. Like we're not supposed to be eating sugar and, and crap and grains and all these things. And that's the real fad diet. We've been eating meat, mostly meat and fat and organs for 3 million years. And it's only in like the speck of time in the last hundred years that we've introduced these like foods that are completely out of season. They're lab grown foods, essentially, right? Why are we getting organic mangoes in New Jersey in December? Eating that and thinking that's healthy, but really that's signaling, like it's a totally different signal to our body. Than if we were eating sort of seasonal and local and close to close to where we live would be meat and potatoes and squash and cabbage or whatever, you know, it'd be these, it'd be, and it'd be, we wouldn't have the selection that we now think is normal. Like we go to the grocery store, we can buy a thousand different foods at any time of this, of the year. Yep. And to think that that's actually not normal, that like what's normal are a very small amount of foods. Like if you look back at hunter gatherer tribes, they eat like meat, organs, nuts, tubers, some berries, honey, you know, and that's basically it. They don't eat, like they don't have access to the food that we have. And I think that that's a really, I said such a double-edged sword because of course you want variety and you, it's great that food's been more accessible to people, right? right. Because then we have fewer starving people. But it's also had this tremendous downside where now people expect to have this, you know, eat the rainbow and eat the thing. And it's like, okay, maybe that's actually not the way we're designed to eat. Maybe we're just designed to eat like pretty, 
pretty boring food that, you know, it's delicious and well-made and, you know, I don't know. It's, to me, it's been a real red pill moment where I have to, you start sort of go back to the drawing board and go like, okay, well, everybody says cholesterol is bad for you and you have to lower your cholesterol, but that's actually not true. And cholesterol is a really important hormone for our bodies. It's the mother hormone. All of our other hormones are made from cholesterol. So when we're telling women to eat a low fat diet with no red meat and no cholesterol, we're hurting them. We are like literally hurting women by telling them that. And, and it's true that women who have higher cholesterol do better. Low fat diets are upping heart disease. Just a total, it's, well, it's like a lot flipping of, it all on its head. It's a, lo- a lot of these diets, the gluten-free, a lot of the low fat, they're replaced with chemicals. They're replaced with yeah. artificial Sugar. or overly, overly, overly processed ingredients, sugar, things like that. And that's the issue. I've been gluten-free since I was 21 because I had tons of issues and it's a a long time and gluten-free was not a thing then. No. And I had to learn how to bake for myself using and do, because I was like, I miss a lot of these foods. And so I learned how to make food myself. So I naturally didn't get into the buying of the gluten-free products when they start to sprout up and become available because I liked my own stuff better and it made me feel better eating my own stuff. And I also was like, if I'm trying to eat cleaner, why am I eating these hydrogenized oils and and sugar and syrups and stuff? Like I don't get that. But one of the issues that I have that I struggle with personally, because I'm carnivore, I don't eat the way that you eat, but I do like, because I'm a typo and I, I do have heavily influenced by blood type diet, but I really struggle with the quality of meat. And Mm -hmm. part of what has happened in our country, in the world is that the way that our vegetables are grown, the way that our animals are grown, produced, everything has become so problematic for the earth for us as human beings, like you said, with a lot of grains have chemicals on them at this point. And when we use monoculture for a primary source of growing soil is depleted. And then the the nutrients that we actually eat are from the soil. Exactly. That's where it lives. And it's not there anymore. Right. You know, where magnesium has become, it used to be really high in a lot of different green vegetables and now it's not anymore. Exactly. So like, I mean, I take magnesium pills because I get migraines. Why do I have to take magnesium? pills. Right. No, it's crazy. But so my issue is there's very few places that I really trust getting good quality meat. Mm -hmm. And so I end up in this place where I'm like, well, I don't really know what to eat. That's not going to cost me a huge amount of money and is going to be something that I believe in. It, It doesn't seem like there's an easy solution to that. It doesn't mean we shouldn't eat that way. It just is. What do you do? So I'm really glad you brought this up because it's a really, it's a very big passion of mine now. And I'm, I'm really involved with some um, organizations that are regenerative agriculture based, like changing the way that we grow animals and think about food. I mean, it's, it's a problem how we, how like factory farming is a problem and it's bad for the animals. It's bad for the workers. It's, it's just bad, but there are a lot of myths out there about meat and the environment that are not true. So it is not true that cow farts are ruining the environment. It is actually changing how we raise animals is actually going to restore the carbon in the soil and the nutrients in the soil. So supporting regenerative agriculture 
is one of the things you could do to be environmentally conscious and avoiding meat actually doesn't help at, at, at all, because then you're relying on these monocropped grains, soy, you know, if you're getting your protein from like soy, A, it's not good for you, but also bad for the earth and your base. And so this whole like anti-meat sort of thing that's happened in the last 10 years is really corporate based. It's like corporate driven because they're, there's money to be made on meat alternatives and, and which is basically like soy and corn and, and, and slop, a lot of basically. ingredients that make no sense. Yeah. And all. toxic like, oils, like vegetable oils that are just so bad for us. Um, soybean oil, all those things are like just so bad for us. They, that's like the one thing that I'm like, if you do anything in your diet, cut out vegetable oils and yeah. by vegetable oils, I mean, soybean, canola, um, right. you know, nut and seed oils, right. Olive oil is fine avocado oil is fine. Coconut oil is great. And then the rest should be animal fats, lard, tallow, butter, ghee. But the regenerative agriculture thing, it, it's a myth. It's a myth that you should not eat animals and that you're, that I think it is expensive, but there are, um, there's a really good website called eatwild.com and you can find a local farmer in your area that you can search by zip code. Oh, that's Call great. up your farmer, call up your farmer. You can buy a half cow and, or, you know, maybe in New York city, it's too hard, but you can, there's local butchers. And honestly, the, I was listening as someone I really trust about this was talking about how the, there's this idea that we have to be eating totally grass fed and grass finished meat. The data is not really there in terms of the, of the nutritional benefit in beef. It is true for chickens and eggs that like those should be always organic and pastured because the nutrition, it changes the nutritional profile of those foods mm-hmm. for beef. It's actually not really a big deal. Um, if whether it's conventional, like corn fed, but most cows spend most of their life on grass, even the, even the like bad meat or whatever, like they are raised on grass until the final few months of their life. And then they're sent to a feedlot where they're given grains to fatten up, mm-hmm. which is also think about that. Like, why are we, if we're giving cows grains to fatten up, maybe we should not be eating so many grains because maybe that's part of why we're getting so fat. So when you actually look into like the food systems and the way it all works, it's actually, you know, there's like the ethical stuff around animals, which you can't really tell anybody how they should be eating ethically. That's for everybody to decide. Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I don't, I've done so much research on this. There's a great book called the sacred cow. There's a great movie. They made a documentary called the sacred cow there. Um, she's a really good friend of mine now because I reached out to her. Cause I was like, I just want to help with this because this idea that we should be avoiding animals and it's helping the earth is just, it's just wrong. It's, it's bull <laughs> to be honest. And people feel so guilty and they don't need to feel guilty. And then women and children are doing like meatless Monday and all these things that are actually not good for them. And especially like, I think there's a real elitist part of this whole thing where, you know, yeah, if you live in a city and you have access to like B12 vitamins and, you know, your whole foods and you can go and get all your plants and your things that you need to be a plant-based eater and then shun the meat where somebody in a lower income area, that burger might be the only meat they get all day or all week. And they need those nutrients. So the cost of denying people meat, especially in third world countries where that where it's like the animal food, the, including animal foods is a huge part of the nutrient profile that they're getting. 
So to say that we should not be eating meat or we should only be eating this much, you know, two ounces of meat a week or whatever these crazy people are saying, it's just a recipe for disaster. Our kids are already anemic. They're already, you know, B12 deficient. You were talking about like all the minerals that were, were is already yeah. sort of deficient in our soil. So like we are, it's a real problem that to advocate for fewer meat, I think overall at population wide, you're looking at deficiencies. You're just looking at poor health. And I really feel passionately that like nobody should be telling anybody what they, you know, that they shouldn't be eating meat, especially if they're coming from a privileged background that, you know, it's, it's, it's dicey. It's like a real red pill because it's a real, like once you start sort of knocking on the door of, of this information, you start to realize, oh, this is not really how I was thinking about this. This is not that the things that I thought were real are, are maybe not real. Interestingly, we just moved to Connecticut and we switched schools. We were in New York city and the, the they were studying food systems. And it was like this crazy thing where they were, um, telling the kids like you have to be eating more plants and meat is bad and da 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 and my husband and I were like no like what are they doing Ugh. and then we moved to Connecticut in the country where you're in farmland and they are studying farming and it's like beef is the best source of nutrients for, like for humans and like they eat grass and like and I and my daughter was like oh my gosh this is like totally different than what I got in the city and like yeah. oh my gosh and I said that's exactly right I think that there are real differences where you go in the country and, oh, and for sure with the orientation you know, on food and with the orientation and like, yeah. and red meat America and red hat America are, you know, don't need to be the same thing, right? You can be a, a politically left person and eat a ton of meat. Like I do. It's just funny. Yeah, how we it have is these interesting how, yeah. It is interesting how you sort of like have to fit into these categories in order to like have it make sense, you know, my concern has always been, I mean, I believe in eating meat, you know, I'm in the same way. I'm kind of more towards a variety. Yeah. I've always, I've always tried to just have my clients and myself eat as close to the real food yes. as possible. And I, totally. I will sprout hundred percent. So like I'm a little different yeah. than I think, but at the same time, I do feel concerned about our farming culture overall, that animals aren't treated well, you know, and for me, the solution to all of this is kind of what you're saying. I'm just saying it in a different way where yeah. I wish there were more local farms. I wish there were more opportunity for like real growing environments where the things that will grow in the Northeast are grown in the Northeast. You know what I mean? And we yeah, have exactly. Our- more we give localized more food. small yeah. farmers so that yeah. so that the ecology in in each individual farm is proper like there's the exactly. like bluestone farms you know in perch i think it's in purchase new york but anyway they're biodynamic so yeah. they have animals they have bees they have yeah. produce that they grow they have sheep they have yeah. like they have all this entire ecosystem in this plot yeah. of land and nature, nature has it worked out and, and nature has I it worked that, out. And I think that in my fantasy, in my true fantasy, it's like grocery stores only exist for like sparkling water. And like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Water. Like some better wine. Know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like wine and sparkling water and coffee. Yeah. And yeah. then you go and then the only other foods you get are like at your, your farmer's market where you can get eggs and meat and vegetables and apples and whatever the local produce that's grown. Yeah. And if people really 
A, they would save a ton of money <laughs> um, not buying all this garbage, but we would also take the power away from all these giant food companies yeah. that are not out for your health. They are not. They are out to make money. And that is, that's great. Go do that. But I think that if people realize how much power they had by just put what they buy, I mean, it's funny because like a lot of my friends say like, oh, my, my kid won't eat this, that, and the other, or they, you know, they only eat the Doritos and I'm like, do they shop for themselves? Like, well, that's what I'm not shopping for themselves. It's in the house. Don't have it in the house. If your kids don't have four, it in the house, they have access to what you give them access to. Exactly. Uh, so it's like mom, so funny. So I definitely but, can't like, I, <laughs> but yeah it's, yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't know if I told you this, but like years ago I started this, I started this food product company and my whole goal was, you know, I travel a lot and a lot of my friends do and are very on the go. And how do they get to have what I feel is super healthy food when they're moving around and, you know, so we, it's interesting because it's taken me a very long time to build it because I've wanted to do it as authentically to what I believe in as possible. Yeah. And the whole goal was to have this integrity of health. And I've encountered so many barriers to that, yeah. trying to create a company where I'm actually putting out a food product and yeah. it's very high standard in terms of what the ingredients are. And we're trying to source like our protein source is pumpkin seeds and we're getting it grown here in New York and it's ground down in New York. And that's the protein. It's not like a protein powder right. made from a right. lot of stuff. And, you know, we're really trying to identify each source of the ingredient and, you know, know where it comes from and have it be really responsibly made. And, you know, our packaging, we've had to really, I mean, I've been fighting for years trying to get post-consumer recycled yeah. plastic. Because yeah. for a long time I was told, no, there's nothing you, it won't work in the machines. It won't work here. It won't work. So I wouldn't do it because I, you know, and, but I do agree like outside of things like that, that I do still feel because of our society and the way that we, how we're, we operate in the world. Like we are a global, you know, economy and we do move around a mm -hmm. lot. And, you know, so products like what I'm trying to put out, I feel like are a great, compromise in those yeah. moments to like be able to have something truly ethical and intentionally crafted, but yeah. also at the same time for every other part of our life, when we're making our own food, I love, and I've always wanted that idea of grow as much as you can in your own space, or, you know, if you're lucky enough to have that opportunity and it's even in New York city, I've grown vegetables yeah, and eat as close to natural as, as humanly possible. And yeah, yeah I agree. Having a farmer's market meat and <laughs> vegetables and produce locally is amazing because the soil is going to be incredibly nutrient dense. The animals are going to be nutrient dense and it really is kind of the perfect way. It's just, we've really screwed ourselves yeah. up in the meantime. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 at the end of the day, I think anybody who's thinking intentionally about what they're putting in their body whether they're vegan or carnivore or whatever they're doing that is like really thoughtful. And they're really, I think that's great. And so I think if you're taking your health seriously and you're really making a change, like, I don't care if it's vegan or not, I don't care. Do what's going to make your body feel good. Or like, and I went through that phase of veganism and, you know, that was really eye opening. So I'm really glad that I went through that phase and, yeah. and kind of came out the other side, because I think we're all on this journey to find 
what's working for us. And that's going to change at different life stages and different, you know, if you're highly stressed or you're, you know, you just some, you know, you lost someone, you know, and you're stressed out or emotionally, you that's a different thing than when you're just like in your flow at work. I think that like thinking about our bodies and having a connection to our, to our bodies for real is, is huge. And I think a lot of people, what makes me really sad is that there's so many people out there that, that think that, that they have to be in pain or they have to live with um, excess weight, or they have to live with migraines, or they have to live with all these things. And, and, and there are other options, like whether it's a diet change or some other sort of orientation to like their health. We're really programmed now to like take a pill when we feel bad and we're not getting to the root cause of what's really going on with our bodies. For me, that's been a a carnivore and this sort of animal-based nutrient-dense diet has really gotten me so in touch with my health. That's why I'm so passionate about it. I love it. I mean, I think that's such an important takeaway because at the end of the day, you're right. One of the most important things is our mentality about ourselves, about what we eat and just trying to make ourselves as healthy as possible is the best that we can do. How I wrap up every podcast, I always ask, what is wellness to you, Lila? What a good question. Wellness (laughs) to me, uh, I think it's really about knowing yourself. I think truly being brave and knowing yourself is, is, I think it's a, I think it's an act of bravery. I think it, it requires, um, asking hard questions and getting to your own truth. That is, it's easier sometimes not to, it's easier to say, I'm just going to go with the crowd. I'm going to do what I'm being told. And so I think real wellness is when you're really at peace in yourself with what, where you are, you know, taking care of your body, taking care of your mind. And that might require that you do things that other people go, well, that's crazy. Like, or that's nuts. And what like, you do what? You eat <laughs> what for breakfast? Um, that's, you know, I used to bring like a thing of steak tartare for breakfast at my kid's school. And it'd be like <laughs> eight in the morning. And I was like eating this thing of steak tartare. And all the moms are like, who is this weirdo? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I'm going to like wave my freak flag because totally. I'm, it is working for me and I don't care if, if you think I'm crazy or you're go do whatever you're doing to make yourself happy. But I'm over here and I feel damn good. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I love that so much. <laughs> I think it's so hard to like embrace your own, embrace yourself for exactly who you are. Be the weirdest version, be the like, <laughs> most passionate version. And just be exact, even if you're like, like there are times where I hold myself back. I'm like, Oh, that's going to sound too crazy. I don't want to say it. no, just say it, just be yourself. And when you step fully into that, the stress yes. is going to be less, you're going to be happier. And yeah, you're living an authentic life. Be- totally. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I and think that's, that's such a powerful message. That's yeah. what it's just that that's the name of the game. Totally. Like that's what we're here on earth to do. Just peel away, peel away all the stuff to get to who you really want to be and who you really are. And it's it takes like, a really long time. <laughs> it takes a really long time. And it's also hard, like living a good life and a, and a, is, a life of meaning is hard work. And, and you don't, it, you don't just get that, you know, nobody's given that like all the advantages in the world. You're still not given that. That's like, that's the work you got to do over your lifetime. And I think that's, 
really exciting. Like, I don't, I think that's great. That's like what we're here. It's like the juicy, good stuff about life. It's like, yeah. It's so true. I love how it's so funny. I do a lot of these podcasts and I always have this certain perspective going in of what I'm, what I think I'm going to learn. And then by the end, I'm usually like, oh, this was so much deeper and so much more you know, satisfying <laughs> than I ever could have expected. And that's what this was. I loved this oh, good. Lila. It's so, yeah, it, there's, it's just so enriching to talk to you and to, oh, I good, love thanks. hearing a perspective that I think not many people have right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. And, and I think for me, my passion is really women and girls who are really, they really need to have the message that meat is good for you. Eat the damn meat, eat, order the <laughs> burger, eat the steak, like just do it, eat the butter, eat the eggs and see how your life changes. You know, you can yeah. always go back. Yeah, that is true. You can always, you can always just try something and go back. Yeah. yeah. Like experiment, have fun, you know? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Lila. I really oh my God, this is so fun. Thanks so much, Lila. And thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. Next up, we have Sonia Looney, who is actually a plant-based athlete and health coach. Sonia also happens to be an American pro mountain biker pretty interesting. I love the contrast. Can't wait for you to tune in. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, like, and please share. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.